On this episode, we're talking about why is it so difficult to create and follow a budget? We're here to talk about bread, lettuce, cheese, dead presidents, green. It's just money, man. It's just money. Hi, welcome to It's Just Money. You've got your doctor. Dr. Matt Anderson, PhD in psychology. Your creative. Raul Contreras, filmmaker and designer. And I'm Jared Stafis, an entrepreneur with a master's in personal finance. Ultimately, this podcast is about people and their relationship with money. Why is it important to budget? What's the point? Does it really matter? As far as, you know, for me, it's real easy. I like to use Quicken. I like to budget. I like to track all my expenses. But why should other people want to budget? People who don't like this, why is it important for them to budget? To reach their goals. We as humans are really bad at understanding how much we spend. Being able to kind of really track and make sense out of what we spend, then it's going to help us achieve our goals. The reason why a lot of people don't budget, because it's kind of painful mm-hmm. to say, ooh, I do spend that much money on this, but and I want to keep spending that money, but I don't want to know about it. And with digital currency, you know, like having a credit card, debit card, it's as easy as a swipe. <laughs> and then you don't have to look at your account if you don't want to. <laughs> I think they've actually shown uh, there's literally more pain when you have to hand cash to somebody versus swipe for the same amount. That's, I think, tied to even why Dave Ramsey's system works so well is because it's a cash system. Right. To be physically aware of how much you're spending. Why, why would you budget? Why do you budget? If you don't budget, I guess pretend to, <laughs> to don't admit to it. Of course he budgets. Yeah, I budget. Yeah, I budget. What are you talking about? <laughs> one of my, I will say one of my earliest forms of budgeting was going to the ATM and taking the cash out for the week that you know you would want to spend maybe for gas or for groceries or whatever. And then that's like the finite amount that you can spend. That was brilliant. I was going to say. It's like the best budget. <laughs> I'm not sure if that was before I had a debit card or not, but it was when I was younger. I did that for a little bit. So why do you uh, budget though? What, what's your, what's, what motivates you? I mean, I do have expensive hobbies. I like to create films and write stuff. And one day I want to make a feature film and I know that's not going to be funded from somebody else that, you know, off the, off the back of no projects, you know, to show for it. So. I just I, I love feature film by the way. I'm like all like I'm like, can I be like a guy that's somehow involved in this? Well, yeah. Sounds awesome. Yeah. I'll contact all of you. Of course. Uh, uh, so I'll ask everybody I know for money. <laughs> <laughs> a goal that I weirdly never saw happening, but did once I got married was buying a home. Um that was a pretty cool and strange experience and weirdly with so many hidden costs in buying a home, like mm-hmm. it's easy to see like, oh, this is why you can't just do this with no money, you know? Yep. And why you budget. And why you budget for it. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Paying back loans, which I am currently doing, or at least to a comfortable level, I would say. Mm-hmm. I started off paying way more than they asked me to, you know, the base minimum. Mm-hmm. And so now I have a cushion for my monthly payments. We ha- we have goals as a family. We want to build our assets. We want to build our, you know, we really like real estate, so we want to buy more properties. We want to kind of build that for our family and kind of this generational, because I'm, we do the real estate stuff with my parents and my sister's family, and so we, we want to grow that. So, But in order to do that, you need capital. And so that's why we, have, we need to budget so that we can ensure we're saving 
that money to be able to grow our investments. And for me, part of that is also security because my goal is I want to be able to opt to replace my necessary income with passive income through real estate. Cause then I'll keep working as I love work, but if anything ever goes wrong with work or I'm in between, or if I want to start a new business or something, I'm not like just out of, you know, out on the corner to the paycheck. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Isn't that the American dream? I know that I've talked about, you know, we've had this discussion and you talked about retirement. One of the things you, a goal you should have is, um, saving enough so then you can retire, mm-hmm. uh, whatever retirement means. But, um, I think the American dream, like just, it just sounds good. Like to have passive income, you know, you do mm-hmm. no work and you still get money. Yeah. Later I, on. I think you're definitely, um, I kind of like the term, uh, the American dream is, I mean, really it's passive income's a way of doing it, but sure. not being beholden to a paycheck. Right. Because mm-hmm. you don't have to have passive income. You could just literally save enough right. that you're not beholden to a paycheck mm-hmm. either. But like maybe that's maybe that is the ultimate form of the American dream, mm-hmm. not being beholden to a paycheck, somebody yeah. else who kind of dictates your life to some extent. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah, I mean, I've already talked about, I don't know if I will retire, at least mm-hmm. willingly. Well, you've <laughs> also expressed the need for the, the need for the check helps spur your creativity yeah sure sure which i mean some people would be the opposite i'm sure that the need mm-hmm. to produce would hurt their creativity but mm-hmm. for you it actually has always helped you mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah the sense of urgency it just makes me think of there's a kind of psychological principle with a, with anxiety right mm-hmm. so that actually your best performance is with mild amounts of anxiety if you have too little anxiety actually if you're like perfectly calm you actually don't perform as well on tasks, on mental tasks particularly. Um, but then if you have really high anxiety, you don't perform as well. But actually with a mild amount of anxiety is when you perform. It's like the adrenaline focuses you and your focuses makes you more creative, makes, your, makes sure you follow through on things. But if you're really calm, you just kind of want to sit there, right? Or you just want to chill. That might be a good analogy for saving money too, right? You need a mild form of anxiety <laughs> in order to get that sense of like, oh, That's I true. absolutely need to save yeah, right and, now. And yeah, how are you f- going to get there? Yeah, yeah, if you feel real comfortable in your job, you feel really secure and you're not, because one of the things that we as humans do also really poorly is understand our future self. We we have we have, we have a hard time projecting or emotionally connecting to our future selves generally. Um, like there's a study that I found getting ready for this episode where they actually, what they did, they had two groups, one group, they had them, um, create, create a budget. And it was just like, Hey, come in, college students come in and create a budget. And then they had another group that did the same thing, but before they did the budget, they showed them, they took, had taken pictures of them and then altered them to, to what they would look like when they're 70. And then had them look at that, and then they filled out their budget. And that second group in their budget set up savings much higher rates. Actually, like, I don't remember the amount off the top of my head, but really significantly higher savings for retirement because they had, they had just had that kind of visual stimulus connecting with their future self. That's it. That's that you have to see yourself in the future. This sounds like amazing financial planning software. I mean, like <laughs> it's it's a systemic problem, like within the industry, mm-hmm. like financial planning 
is awesome. And it sucks because they make all these plans and then like such a small percentage of people do them mm-hmm. and follow them that it, it, it like forces the industry and or society to question the validity of the position, even though there are some really good ones and people who take advantage of it. I just wish they all did that. That's amazing. <laughs> so you like just if, it's that, if it's that effective, it's like, your- <laughs> here's you. Let's sit down and talk about your goals. Isn't that that app now that looks at your face and can do that? Yeah, they have an app like that. Right. <laughs> so it just instantly does it. Like then yeah. they had to use like Photoshop. Yeah. But if you have if you have customers and you're a financial planner, that's what I'd send them postcards monthly of just the picture of the <laughs> altered to another seventy. <laughs> I hope somebody listens to this and actually is like, that's my new marketing plan. <laughs> but so, you know what? That's kind of what um you bring up a good point. That's what like fashion the fashion industry does in order to sell like face creams and things to make you feel younger. Cause they're like, this is, will be you in the future. Mm-hmm. You'll have, you'll be wrinkly. You'll be whatever, you know, if you don't do this now. Yeah. So or try to connect you to your future self. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people take part in that. So most people are like the first group who does, who don't look at the picture. We don't wear, you know, we live full lives. And so we're really thinking about the now or the near future. And so to think about, so it's hard to, not just think about it, you can conceptually think about it, but to emotionally connect to your 70-year-old self is not something we willingly do very easily. Therefore, it leads us to not save and budget. Hey, you've got money questions. We've got money answers. It's just Money Live is coming up. Check out our Facebook page for details. Make sure you don't miss your opportunity to participate. All right, we'll see you then. This is really interesting to me. I one of and a mixture of multiple personality tests I've taken. I like it's usually telling me like, be careful, don't live in the future too much. Live in the now. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not a past dweller, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm definitely not a present dweller. And I I tend to live in the future. I also tend to I know, if nothing else, off of because of statistics, I save a much higher percentage all the time. Mm-hmm. And I mean, my entire life, it's just been save, 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 save. Um, like 12 saving makes sense. I've always thought, Oh, I was, you know, more of a saver, but maybe I was just more of a future thinker. And thus mm-hmm. that naturally produced a saving mentality that I never really second guessed. Right. Saving is really about sacrificing. I mean, you can either sacrifice later if you want to send all of your, or spend all of your money now and not have anything later on, or you can sacrifice now and then have more in the future. So possibly this is interesting because, Maybe the, the the bigger difference here is actually in the way that one views that sacrifice. So I think for me, I never really looked at it as a sacrifice as much. It was. And I knew I was making a sacrifice. Of course, I could go have something else. But it was actually just the path of achievement of my goal mm-hmm. or whatever it is I wanted to see. You're not really sacrificing in that moment when you're like, no, this is just the step you take to get to here. Like this is just it's like saying I'm going to get up and walk across the room and grab when ac- actually you're sacrificing sitting time. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm expending energy, but for me, it's that that was kind of how I always viewed it. It's like, no, I'm just, I'm just going to there. Yeah, but I, I, yeah, I, I think of sacrificing in terms of not spending on things that you want. If you tell me I can't have something, by golly, I'm going to show you I can have it, and I'll, <laughs> I'll have two of it. You know, <laughs> if I felt like I was actually sacrificing something I want. And like, this is the thing I really want. So I, I just never viewed it as much of a sacrifice. It was just, this is the thing I wanted more. So I never really 
sacrifice didn't feel that. I I don't know. I've it didn't feel to you. It didn't feel like the a severity sacrifice. of this. Yeah, just the at least to the extent when I kind of hear other people talk. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it was I had my eye on a prize stronger mm-hmm. or a clearer vision, or I was kind of. But maybe just living in the future self too much, which arguably I do, I actually don't feel the sacrifice as much mm-hmm. because the sacrifice is present. Right. And I'm in the future, so I don't actually feel this sacrifice. That's what I was trying to say. Right. That's, and, I actually put real words to it there. Yeah. Right. And when we, when we talk about sacrifice, it's particularly identifying pain. And pain is not just a... It's a psychological experience. It's not just a physical experience, right? It's never just a physical. It's always tied. It's always a psychological experience because meaning can mediate the effectiveness of pain. So the sacrifice, the emotional effect of the sacrifice for you was way less because the meaning connected to the sacrifice was really high. For someone who they don't naturally think that way or haven't been taught to think that way, or that future goal has a lot less meaning to them. And so therefore this to, to ask them to sacrifice now sounds so much more painful or is so much more painful. And so that's why it's hard. Like, right. The statistics we, we were talking about as we were getting ready for the show, what 73% of workers in America live paycheck to paycheck. I think it was 78%. I was mixing it because with the poverty line is 13%. There's a big, group in there that are making significantly more than the poverty line, but are still living paycheck to paycheck. And so there's an issue with there. And it's usually related to budgeting because budgeting is about controlling behavior, right? You're trying to control your spending behavior through this process. So many of Americans have a hard time controlling their behavior around spending. And the way to do that is through budgeting. And so they don't do it. And I've done that too in my own life. So you're, you're talking psychologically. If we can tie meaning to pain, sacrifice. I mean, you, you sacrifice. said sacrifice and pain, and then you tied it to meaning. Mm-hmm. If, we can tie, if we have meaning for our pain, literally it's less severe. I mean, is that what you cl- said? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. we, With the severity, the, the way we feel about it, is it mm-hmm. the way we feel it? Like, like, yeah, it's because the way we feel it is a subjective experience. So if... You ever go to a hospital and they ask you a pain, they do a pain scale. It's a completely subjective scale between one and 10. Where's your pain? And that the, somebody, your 10 or seven and your seven, and my seven, if you could literally measure the stimulus of the nerve endings could be completely different. And so it's a subjective experience. So in saying that, what, what meaning does is meaning affects how we, experience the pain and what therefore affects how intense it is affects our ability to cope with it as well. So there's kind of two things going on. Sidebar on a pain scale mm-hmm. is 10 death. Whenever somebody's, <laughs> whenever there's a pain scale, if you've reached explodes. 10, does that mean like it's irreversible or you've reached death? Like nobody, I don't know if I've would be no pain. Yeah. So I guess, no- <laughs> I don't know if I've ever said 10. So death isn't on the scale. It's a full circle. Actually, pain is a circle. I think so death is zero. <laughs> I, I do think there's, I don't think I've ever said 10. I think there's been one or two times in my life where I would have said 10. Really? And where it's probably, I mean, where I was almost begging for death. Like the yeah. pain was so bad. You know, my stomach hurt so bad. My head was splitting. The fever was so bad. I just remember one time 
literally thinking, I don't have the energy to end my life, but if somebody walked in right now, please do. Mm-hmm. I was so sick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They should just change it. Zero to wishing for death. Maybe <laughs> nine and a half. That might be nine and a half. Because <laughs> I'm still debating. Ten might be death. <laughs> Ten is the moment before or the pain <laughs> forces you into unconsciousness or death. Ten is the ace card. Eleven or two. <laughs> or one, I mean. One. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so this is interesting uh, because we've, we've really, I feel like we're actually are, can really connect your two thoughts um, or views real well. I mean, Raul, you've really felt that goals were really important to establish before you could attempt to budget. Oh yeah, for sure. Like the idea of budgeting without first really talking about goals was, was absurd. And that's really highly supported with your conception of sacrifice and having meaning for it and then having less severity we know we don't like pain. We don't like to cause ourselves pain. Right. So we, so it really by establishing the goals, right. We're then saying you're re, you're applying meaning. So then when you create your budget, you're more likely to be, you actually don't even feel the severity as much. Mm-hmm. So really it's not, I mean, we're not even asking why should you budget? It's why should you create goals before you create a budget? Right. Is almost the best question mm-hmm. or thing to gather here. Mm-hmm. Because it would make you more likely to follow your budget. Because that's the thing is you can, I've definitely done that before, is create a budget. It's like, oh, this is great. I'll save this much and I'll only spend this much on that. And then just like three months later, totally forget about it, you know. And, And so, but the meaning, the goal setting would help kind of encourage you to take the sacrifice because it feels less painful. But there's a... A challenge here because we can say that of course it sounds easy oh yeah but we're inherently bad at imagining our future self mm-hmm. which is necessary for especially when we talk about money mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of people can make short-term money goals but we're talking you start talking about retirement for some people that can be 20 years away some are 40 some can be 50 mm-hmm. so if we're not able to imagine that future self even if we know all this it's still going to be very challenging right so how does a person better imagine their future self? So, okay, we know okay, we need to make goals. We also need to create an image of ourself that reminds us that we can go back to. So I'm just curious. I mean, how do we create a better future image of ourself in order to reduce the severity of our pain and sacrifice to achieve our goals by making a budget? Yeah, so... If you're talking about the long-term ones, that's where that like that study was so interesting of seeing that 70-year-old picture of yourself. Is that it is it's hard to see a goal that far out. It's more like because it's often, at least when I think it was taught about retirement, it's talking about you're like trying to alleviate pain that's 50 years away. Right? That's how it's usually talked about. Like versus but maybe it works better to like, hey, what do you want your retirement to look like? Like, yeah, we really worked backwards. Mm-hmm. You picked your goals and you worked backwards. Like, what is it that you, you didn't ever say, say, well, I want to retire at 58. That doesn't mean anything. There's no attainable goal in there. You need something more important mm-hmm. from a meaning standpoint in order to really attach meaning to that goal, not just an age and thus you don't work. Right. So yeah, usually yeah. it was goals like, 
I want to have enough money to pay for my kid's wedding. You know, I want to put my kids, you know, into, you know, if they want to do sport, whatever it was, a lot of stuff was kids because people get highly motivated around saving for their kids. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> so if yeah. you say, yeah, yeah, yeah. don't think about the pain, mm-hmm. they're going to think about the pain. Yeah. Don't think about the pink elephant in the room. So, no, I think absolutely you want people to really focus on the meaning and the future self and the goal mm-hmm. in order to literally, by definition, at least what Matt's provided us is is to reduce the severity of the pain, which is to increase the likelihood of the goal mm-hmm. being achieved. Kind of what we're laying out here is why budgeting matters, which sounds really boring, right? Really boring and really painful. I take that offensively. <laughs> <laughs> Something no. I do for joy and hobby and <laughs> not expensive. As, yeah. as we've already indicated, is really boring. A strange duck. <laughs> <laughs> I have all of my data since 2012. I can tell you everything. You've got the most inexpensive hobby. <laughs> Cost me $49 to buy Quicken every year, but I do it on Amazon and get two free months. So maybe like $48. <laughs> what if what if we just like follow your daily routine for like two months? Will we all be as successful as you are? <laughs> I think you'll all be as bored as I am. <laughs> I don't know if success gets tied to it. Uh, pull a Gary V, just follow you around all day. With Everywhere. Camera. I'm constantly filled with inspirational and motivational things oh, that will geez. get you to do stuff. Buy my shirt. <laughs> He's a marketing guy. It's his right. marketing brand. Right. Right. I sometimes right. struggle with that. Like I do. I used to not want to watch any of his stuff because mm-hmm. it was like, it's just another one of those guys. And then I did watch some of his stuff. It's like, I kind of like this guy. But at the end of the day, I still I felt, acknowledge, I like, this is what he's selling you. Yeah. He, <laughs> he is well. selling it to you. Yeah. He's, uh, Which he would probably sit here and say himself. If right. he were here, he'd be like, yeah, of course. Like, <laughs> and then he would probably say some really cool stuff that ties it all together. And you're like, you're right, Gary Vee. <laughs> Thank you for listening or watching It's Just Money. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If so, please subscribe so you don't miss out. Also, leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have any suggestions for future episodes, please comment below. But remember, it's just money. Thanks for sticking around. Here's a clip from our next episode. You know, the people who actually got rich. Oh, the, right. They, they saved at least 20%. Get off your phone, Raul. <laughs> <laughs> We're recording here, man. 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 <laughs> Something you mentioned, I think, that gets to the heart of what we're talking about also is, like, as we're talking about relationships, you know, and talking about money with each other, I think the more important thing is even if you're not in a relationship, you find somebody to hold you accountable. Mm